Hey everyone, welcome to the Faith and Fandom Podcast. Today I am bringing you the rough draft of the devotional Spirited Ripples of the Unredeemable. And I'm going to go ahead and put this out on the podcast channel. And the print version of this is going to be over on faithandfandom.org. Here we go. Being a musical theater kid, A Christmas Carol was part of my life for a hot minute. Regardless of the rest of the show each year, we did a Christmas Carol annually. I think I did it maybe seven times. I rotated around. I was Marley. I was the ghost of Christmas present, Bob Cratchit, a random puppeteer for some reason. It was always just part of my world. The Christmas Carol episode of Doctor Who is also my favorite Whovian Christmas special. It's a reliable and relatable part of many people's lives. To some, it's the Muppets, or Bill Murray, or a million other iterations. But it's a story that has been told and retold for hundreds of years. So, a new story coming out anchored on this classic isn't surprising. Like most of you, I became aware of, in some way, of this production more than a year and a half ago when Ryan Reynolds released a TikTok of he and Will Ferrell doing the Grace Kelly Challenge. You know, the I could be brown, I could be blue, I could be violet sky, that, that whole thing. What we didn't know at that point is that Apple was working with the folks that made The Greatest Showman to bring a new musical into existence. Now, if you're reading this or listening to it for my podcast crowd, and you haven't seen this because you don't have Apple TV, I firmly believe it's worth dropping $6 for one month of Apple TV to watch this musical and also give you time to binge watch Ted Lasso. Spirited centers around a department of ghosts who make it their goal year after year to haunt a human into redemption, with Scrooge being the first and then the process continuing year after year since. They have helped to redeem hundreds of humans, including Dolly Parton, and now are setting their sights on Clint Briggs, an expert in division and chaos for gain. The big plot twist by the mid of the movie is that the ghost of Christmas present, Will Ferrell's character, is none other than the original Ebenezer Scrooge himself. He continued working to redeem people for hundreds of years, but in part due to the fear and insecurity that his own redemption wasn't genuine. As he states in the movie's opening line, do people really change? I mean real, lasting, positive change. I sure hope so, because we are in the business of change. One of the factors that kept him contemplating this is that by the story's dynamics is that the ghosts who are serving in this department can earn the option to return to Earth as humans and live out their days before passing on to the afterlife of the afterlife? Totally aware this is terrible on theological and doctrinal grounds, but it makes a good storytelling piece. Scrooge is genuinely fearful that his redemption wasn't fully genuine because he died shortly after, and he fears that if he returns to Earth, his fears will be confirmed. As Scrooge sings, but what if I screw up my life again like I did the first time that through? Could I really be someone better, someone kinder, someone new? Christians, by very nature, should be big believers in the concept of redemption and being made new. It's literally, it literally is our hope and identity. It's one we can often be generous with ourselves while being strict with others. 
but it is foundational to who we are. This means that anyone who belongs to Christ has become a new person. The old life is gone, a new life has begun. 2 Corinthians 5.17 We can believe this with all we are, but like Scrooge, we can also have serious doubts about how much change has occurred. We can be afraid that we are no different than we ever were. People can often see change in us more often than we can see in ourselves, and vice versa. It's a tunnel vision situation to never see yourself as others do. The longer you live without solid reflection, the easier it is for the, doubter, for the doubts to truly become so large they are insurmountable, which is why we are built for community, accountability, and encouragement. Scrooge has been working in the process of redeeming people, not just for their good, but to convince himself that he truly has changed and that he's made amends for who he was. We know, though, fully that while redemption is real and powerful, redemption is never something we can truly earn on our own. For it is by grace you have been saved, through faith, and this is not from yourselves, it is a gift of God, not by works, so that no one can boast. Ephesians 2, 8-9 It's never about something we can earn or can do on our own, but in our insecurities we try really hard anyway. Some of us do it with community service, church work, charity, different things to earn different credit, but it never, but it's never enough to fully satisfy, and that's what Scrooge was feeling as well. 200 years of work still wasn't enough to truly earn his redemption, which is why Clint Briggs was so important to him. This is someone who is as, as bad as Scrooge once was, probably worse, and Scrooge feels that redeeming Clint might be enough to earn whatever he is lacking. Marley, however, isn't down for letting Clint be the subject of their next haunt. Because Clint is an unredeemable. The only other unredeemable to make it through the program was Scrooge himself. Marley states it's only been done once before and barely. He later goes on to say that redeeming an unredeemable is nearly impossible. The concept of being unredeemable is something I think we can all relate to. No matter how great we are in our own opinions, there are times we truly feel like we might have made too many mistakes or gone too far. That there's just not enough love, grace, and forgiveness out there for us. We try to redeem ourselves relentlessly, or on the flip side, we lean full tilt in the idea that we are irredeemable and just embrace the chaos and destruction that we genuinely don't deserve better. I don't place faith in the idea that you can frighten someone into being a better person. I know that's the basis of the whole concept of a Christmas carol and the whole concept of judgment houses at churches around the world. Redemption doesn't come from fear, even if you stand and point really convincingly. Man-made tactics aren't effective, which is why Clint was so resistant to the idea of people changing or becoming better as he questioned Scrooge. Is mankind getting any mankinder? More genial? More united? Want to know what mankind really is? Read the comments below. Even though Clint was faced with very clear supernatural involvement, he wasn't willing to accept that change was possible or that redemption was necessary. Much like the way most of the world may have some vague notion or belief that there is a God, but not believe it enough to let it affect their life. 
which is why discipleship and personal relationships with people are far more effective than mass market evangelistic tactics or dramatic presentations. When we can show people what has changed in us personally, it's a much bigger catalyst for change. When Jesus was in a region called Jerusalem, sorry for the audio of that, he performed a miracle in a man's life. Rather than Jesus going door to door telling strangers, he sent the man they knew to tell of it. Return home and tell how much God has done for you. So the man went away and told all over town how much Jesus had done for him. Luke 8.39 That's the power of a personal testimony. An example of God at work inside a life you are connected with. Clint had already grown cold to his own past and present and didn't have much regard for his future. But when Scrooge was willing to share his own story, it made a difference. After he revealed his identity and struggle with Clint, he had new ground to build relationship on and an open conversation of redemption. The only other redeemable to go through the program, so I understand the weight you carry. Sooner or later, it becomes unbearable. Scrooge knew that in his Scrooge knew that in his life the weight had been crushing. He saw the same hidden pain in Clint and wanted to help him see it and be free of it. Partially for Clint, but also for the hope of his own future. This is the same thing we see in David's life, and the life of anyone who has held on to or been held in the grip of sin, silently trying to ignore it and live their life. For when I kept silent about my sin, my bones wasted away through my groaning all day long. Psalm 32.3 Clint was open to the conversation of redemption, but obviously had doubts about the legitimacy of it. Grace always seems convenient in the lives of others, but seems perfectly reasonable in our own. So I just want to fully understand this. You were Scrooge. The ghost changed you, but you never relapsed. The rest of your life, not one single humbug ever again. How long was it? The rest of your life, I mean. As Clint quoted. Roughly three and a half weeks, said Scrooge. But how did you... How did you even know that you changed? I mean, you know, anybody can be good for three weeks, right? Clint. Three weeks of good behavior isn't exactly solid evidence of a lifelong conversion. Naturally, Clint had doubts, just like the disciples did after Saul had his Christmas carol Christian conversion. It seemed a little too convenient and too good to be true. When Saul came to Jerusalem, he tried to join the disciples, but they were all afraid of him, not believing that he was really a disciple. Acts 9.26 While others doubted Scrooge and Saul, it's a much bigger problem when we doubt ourselves. That's what had been holding Scrooge back this whole time. The reason why he tried so hard to prove unredeemables could be redeemed. If we can't believe in the concept of redemption and salvation, how can we truly accept it? If we don't believe we are worthy to receive it, that says not just a lot about how we see ourselves, but also about how we see God. Clint saw what Scrooge was struggling with and running from, and after another attempt at the kicker, he confronted Scrooge with it. Who are you to tell anyone how to live their life when you're busy running away from your own? Just admit it. You're afraid of that one question. 
It's the question that keeps you up at night, keeps you working here year after year. Doesn't matter how many people you change, no matter how much good you do, you still don't know the answer, said Clint. He finally causes his bro to ask the questions that have been haunting him. Am I forever unredeemable? Can I ever overcome all the wrongs I'm running from? Can my worst be left behind? And do I deserve to find there's a soul who could see any good in me? Or am I only unredeemable? Scrooge. I think that's the concept we struggle with so often. We think we're too far gone. We made these spiritual, social, and moral lines in the sand. We think that once we've crossed them, we've gone too far. That's not the case. We're a lot faster to label people unredeemable than God is. David is listed as a man after God's own heart, someone who pursued the heart of God, someone anointed, someone God chose to lead, yet he was an adulterer, a deceiver, a murderer, bitter, and shed more blood than the combined storytelling of American horror movies. Even with all of his sin and failures, one of the things that prevented David from thinking he was unredeemable is the fact that he knew just how good God is. Even at his worst, David knew the heart of God. He knew that God's redemption was bigger than his failures. Have mercy on me, O God, according to your unfailing love. According to your great compassion, blot out my transgressions. Wash away all my iniquity and cleanse me from my sin. For I know my transgressions and my sin is always before me. Against you, you only have I sinned and done what is evil in your sight. So you are right in your verdict and justified when you judge. Surely I was sinful at birth, sinful from the time my mother conceived me. Yet you desired faithfulness even in the womb. You taught me wisdom in that secret place. Cleanse me with hyssop and I will be clean. Wash me and I will be whiter than snow. Let me hear joy and gladness. Let the bones you have crushed rejoice. Hide your face from my sins and blot out all my iniquity. Create in me a pure heart, O God, and renew a steadfast spirit within me. Do not cast me from your presence or take your Holy Spirit from me. Restore to me the joy of your salvation and grant me a willing spirit to sustain me. Then I will teach transgressors your ways so that sinners will turn back to you. Deliver me from the guilt of bloodshed, O God. You who are God, my Savior, my tongue will sing of your righteousness. Open my lips, Lord. My mouth will declare your praise. You do not delight in sacrifice or I would bring it. You do not take pleasure in burnt offerings. My sacrifice, O God, is a broken spirit, a broken and contrite heart. God will not despise. Psalm 51, 1-17 David knew that God was his only source of redemption and that he couldn't do enough on his own to ever be redeemed. Scrooge tried, Scrooge tried so hard to earn his place in the hall of the redeemed and to move on to life with no doubts that he was secure. But nothing he did from Dolly Parton to Clint guaranteed that for him. With all the bridges that I burned... The wounds I didn't mend, all the worth I thought I earned, it turned worthless in the end. Scrooge. The Christmas Carol concept relies on fear big enough to generate change. A realization or revelation that causes lasting change. But I believe biblically that comes from a relationship with God 
and acceptance of the work of redemption that he has done in your life and intentionally choosing daily to walk in that. Remain in me as I also remain in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. John 15, 4 through 5, Jesus. I'm not saying you have to work to earn or earn your position in a saving relationship with Jesus Christ, but I'm saying it does take intentional effort to follow God where he leads us and to do what he calls us to do. As Clint told Scrooge, maybe there's no magical quick fix. Maybe you got to put in the work. You ever think about that? You got to wake up each day Get out of bed and decide. And in Matthew 7, 17 through 21, Jesus says this. Likewise, every good tree bears good fruit, but a bad tree bears bad fruit. A good tree cannot bear bad fruit and a bad tree cannot bear good fruit. Every tree that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown to the fire. Thus, by their fruit, you will recognize them. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but only the one who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. As the Apostle Paul told the Galatian church, If we live by the Spirit, let us also walk by the Spirit. Galatians 5.25 Redemption is a daily task of living out the work that has been done inside of us. It's simple, but far from easy. It takes work to follow what God wants instead of what we want. It takes serious effort to turn from the desires of our flesh and pursue the spirit. It's as Marley told Clint at the end of the story. Your sacrifice would have no meaning if it had no consequence. Our redemption doesn't come with a convenient new position scaring sinful people into forward motion. Our redemption comes with daily dying to who we were before and living the new life we are given. Within hours of receiving his retirement, Scrooge was running from the life he had received and even tried to throw himself in front of a bus to get back. It's just as unhealthy for us to try and turn back to who we were before. Matthew 16, 24 through 26, Jesus says this. Then Jesus said to his disciples, whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves, take up their cross and follow me. For whoever wants to save their life will lose it, but whoever loses their life for me will find it. What good will it be for someone to gain the whole world, yet forfeit their soul? Or what can anyone give in exchange for their soul? Make no mistake, obedience is sacrifice, but it's a life-giving sacrifice. When you give up the things that take the quality of your life, you are gaining life. It would be much better for us to be able to find that new life and redemption on our own than arrive at the end of our lives and realize we wasted what we were offered. I seriously doubt we're going to get a musically haunted invitation to a fresh start, but Jesus does give us a clear, less dramatic invitation here and now. Then Jesus said, Come to me, all of you who are weary and heavy burdened. I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you. Let me teach you, because I am humble and gentle at heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy to bear, and the burdens I give you is light. Matthew 11, 28-30
as as Scrooge stated. But even if you lost your way, you don't have to stay a lost cause. To close, you are not unredeemable. Redemption is possible. New life waits for you. And anyone who tells you differently, wish them a hearty good afternoon. Thanks so much for taking the time to listen to this rough draft. You can again read the print version of this over at faithandfandom.org. And also, before we go, just want to take a moment to uh, thank our Patreon supporters for helping sponsor all the things that make Faith and Fandom possible. So, Alicia Benson, Candace Davis, Jay Sheed, Jillian, Jason Crutchfield, Mike Perna, Todd Turner, John Jacobs, Zach Harris, Caleb Grimm, Jeanette Skaggs, Chris Poirier, Chris Cook, Jason Bullock, Christina Ray, Sarah Lewis, Patrick Gale, Rebecca Godlove, and Adam Davis. I want to say thank you so much for being faithful supporters of Faith and Fandom. And if you would like to help Faith and Fandom financially, uh, you can do so by heading over to patreon.com slash faith and fandom. And again, thanks so much for listening. And in case you listen to this before time comes, Merry Christmas.